the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track in your browser, register, get 40% off that first year, download the app, personalize it, get exclusive ad free content at your fingertips. Again, that's theathletic.com slash spot track. My name is Mike Giannetti. Happy Memorial Day. Thanks to those who served. Thoughts are with those who served and lost their lives. That's what today is all about. We had a great parade this morning here locally. I'm sure many of you did as well. It's time for baseball, of course, because that's another part of Memorial Day weekend. So that's what I'll be doing for the next few hours thereafter with a beer in hand and hopefully a couple of hot dogs. But first, it's an NFL show. OTAs have begun for many teams last week. I kind of let the tea leaves trickle out a little bit on those. We do have a list of holdouts. Some are obvious. Some are eh, questionable. I'm going to break down all of them with full detail today, including the quarterbacks, Lamar and Baker and Kyler and a couple of the vets and uh, kind of understand contractually speaking what that all might mean and, and when that may be coming to a head. Obviously, we got to talk a little bit about the basketball here off the top, though. Celtics pushed through. Warriors kind of breezed through this one after a, kind of a shaky start to the postseason. It's a fascinating matchup. I know Scott Allen <laughs> is, uh, is plenty happy with this matchup in terms of gambling and the odds he got back in October. So I, obviously, he's happy for his reasoning, but I think as an NBA audience, this is a per- pretty enticing matchup, not just because of the legacy of the franchises and the organizations, but having the Warriors back is great for everybody. They're, they're just a likable organization. And this Boston team was basically a zero to 100 situation for the season. They were what everybody was talking about on a negative, pessimistic standpoint. We have to break this team up. They were below 500. In January, just before that trade deadline, we had Keith and Scott on quite a bit to talk about what, which one of those three or four pieces was going to go. And Brad Stevens says, hold my beer. I'm about to add, not subtract here. And he added Al Horford and he added Derek White. And both those players had monumental impacts come postseason time. So here we are. And by the way, Al Horford, a name to talk about here contractually speaking, because the Celtics made it to the finish line here. He gets an extra $5 million guaranteed next year. So he's set to make $26.5 million in 2022. $14.5 of that was guaranteed at signing. He gets an extra $5 million now guaranteed because of the, the finals berth. And if Boston wins this finals, all $26.5 million locks in. I don't think it's that big of a deal. They were certainly going to keep him on the roster for that last year of his contract next year anyway. But nice to have a little bit of that in your hand. And uh, couldn't happen to a better guy right now. You know, a guy who has been tossed around here from Philly and then to OKC where he was basically just a, a, a buy a draft pick player. He literally sat on his tush for a year. And some people, there's some scientific sports people out there saying, of course, that's going to benefit him, right? I mean, if he's sitting around, still engaged in basketball, still working out, but literally not putting in the game efforts, that maybe that reinvigorated his body a little bit and he was able to do what he was able to do over the past couple of months and really be a major factor for this Boston franchise. So he gets a little bit of guarantee built into his situation. Like I said, I don't think he was going anywhere anyway, but something to think about as uh, more and more of these incentive-based contracts are signed in the NBA, as Scott and Keith have both, both kind of noted over the past couple of months. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. And uh, by the way, free agency is right around the corner. We're going to start hearing about the NBA trade talks early June as some teams try to finish off the 2021 financials in certain ways. And then, of course, July 1st is the big day for that sport. 
and it won't be boring. Press release. It will not be boring. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's get to the NFL here and talk about some of these holdout situations, contractually speaking. But first, our friends at Dynasty Owner are clamoring for you to get started with fantasy football. It's time. Yes, it's right around the corner. We're talking plenty of NFL today. There's plenty of reasons to consider the NFL a 12-month sport at this point. And, uh, you know, other iterations of the sport now getting to us. USFL, the XFL will be back in a year or two. It's football all the time, anytime. And that's how the serious players treat their fantasy football situation, especially in the Dynasty Fantasy Football League. Like you can sign up for at Dynasty Order. It's real NFL contracts, real average salaries that will change and evolve as the real players sign new contracts. So many of the players I'm about to talk about today, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Debo Samuel, they're going to have situations where you own them in a dynasty league and a salary cap dynasty league. You're about to have a big decision because Kyler Murray at 9 million and Kyler Murray at 43 million affects your salary cap quite a bit as it does with the Arizona Cardinals. So uh, it's just a, a real life situation. Like I said, 12 months, complicated, customizable, everything you want out of a 2022 dynasty fantasy football league. Check it out at dynastyowner.com. Register, sign up, understand how it works. Get some serious friends involved. Make, do a little side betting. You can do it all right within the app. It's a great app. It's a great website. It's a great way to get yourself into a more serious fantasy football situation this year. Dynastyowner.com. All right, as mentioned, let's run through some of these OTA holdouts in the NFL, why they're having the holdout, what it means, and what the end result very well may be, based on my opinion and, and the kind of glasses that I wear financially speaking in this sport. I'm going to start with Baker because it's one of the more complicated. It's one of the more speculative, objective situations. Let's be frank about what this is. This is not Cleveland torpedoing Baker Mayfield and trying to ruin his career. If anything, <laughs> Baker Mayfield's got-to-do-it attitude and gunslinger, cowboy attitude is why we're here in the first place. I think Cleveland should have sat him last year for the most of at least the entire second half. And you can tell that for obvious reasons, and I guarantee you money was one of them, that next contract was one of them, he decided, I'm not going to have the surgery in the middle of the season. I'm not going to sit down and try to let this thing rest off. I'm going out there. I want to go above and beyond and show that that kind of stuff doesn't get in the way of me trying to win football games. And I gave him all the credit in the world. And, and I know he got killed because of what the results ended up being. And, and, and a lot of that was decision-making. But you have to understand that being a quarterback is more mental than physical. So when the physical is bothering you, it's going to affect your mentality, which is then going to make you a worse decision-maker in, in many cases. Is he, is he the best quarterback in football? Can he be the best quarterback in football? No. He's never been the best decision maker. In fact, I think he was drafted because maybe at some times he made terrible decisions, but was gifted enough, maybe lucky enough, to have those turn into gigantic plays in college. That hasn't been the case for the most part in the NFL. And now we're at a crossroads. And we're at a crossroads because the Browns got an opportunity that they were not in the right frame of, of mind or timing for, right? The perfect timeline for this would have been, let's take care of Baker's situation, whether that's eating a few million and getting him out the door in March or in February, like many teams have done with their kind of embattled quarterback situations. And then if something else pops up, you know, we can, we can go through the draft with the, with the draft pick we acquired. 
We can find a free agent situation like a Trubisky. We can wait out a Jimmy Garoppolo situation. There were some options there for them. I think they were still considering Russell at the time. Who knows? But the Watson situation became so in their face, obviously, that they basically said, look, we can either bail out right now on this, which many teams did, or we can go all in and deal with Baker later. And obviously, that's what happened. They went all in times 100, times 230, I should say. And now they're having to deal with Baker. It's backwards to what every team would desire to do, which is clean up your mess and then start over. Well, they started over and now have to still clean up that mess, which is 18.8 million guaranteed for Baker. Now in you know what is June of the off season and most teams don't need a quarterback. I'm just going to throw out a couple of scenarios out. I know I've done this before. It's time to readdress them because we're in the middle of OTAs now. So starting to put some of this stuff into actual real life situations. He's obviously not going to show for any of OTAs. Let's say this gets the training camp, which is six weeks away, at least. He will be fined 50000 a day. So that's part of it. I don't know that he cares. But it sure seems like we're going to get to that point. Now, certain things can change. Injuries can happen. The health of Garoppolo is going to change other people's situations. No question about it. So, you know, right now, Baker is kind of the only quarterback right now available and being shopped. And that's never good. There's no one else around him. He he needs another horse on the track right now with him. So let's say Garoppolo is that horse to some degree. You know, Garoppolo's contract is 26 and change. Baker's at 18.8. Baker's guaranteed, though. Jimmy's not. So there's a yin and yang even there. Again, I'm going to lay this out. What I wanted to happen, even after they did the Watson deal and the Watson trade, and Baker was obviously upset, I wanted them to just say, all right, let's let this cool off. Because we know there's a suspension coming. We know there's lots more drama with Deshaun coming, unfortunately. Let's let this cool off. Let's let this thing percolate over the, over the offseason. He's going to stay away in, in Baker. He's going to go through his, his ordeal because it's an awful situation for him. And we know that. We've put him in the worst situation possible right now with this Deshaun acquisition. But let's let it get to July. Let's let it get near August. And by then, we'll have some clarity with Deshaun, which now we know will will be true. Roger Goodell has come out and said, June, maybe July, there will be some sort of disciplinary action announced for Deshaun Watson. Could be time served, could be nothing, could be six games, could be 12 games, who knows? I'm not going to speculate there. Something's coming in the next few weeks vis-a-vis Deshaun Watson. Once there's clarity there, Now Baker Mayfield has knowledge of what the Browns and he could be in terms of 2022. Right now, it's cut off at the head. And that's what it's been since since the trade, probably before the trade, when they were trying to shop him in February and couldn't get it done. It's still to that level of drama, unfortunately. But it could have been, look, man, teams aren't flying off the page to get you right now. We're, we're doing our best. We are willing to work with you and your team to get you out the door as soon as possible. It's just not happening. And we're not willing to eat $12 million right now to do that. And let's say this was March. 
Okay. Give us a few months to, to really put some work into this and we'll work with you. We're not going to work against you. And if we still have to eat 12 million at some point, then we'll talk about it. But let's just let this thing cool off a little bit because right now it's not good for either of us. And then once Deshaun has suspended 10 games, as an example, we go back to Baker and say, look, how about you, how about you play starting quarterback for us? And then if we have to get you out of here in the middle of the season, we'll do it just to get you into greener pastures. But we need you. You, need, you might need us a little bit here. There's nobody else looking to throw you into a starting role. That's what I really wanted to happen. Except <laughs> Cleveland chopped that off at the head when they signed Jacoby Brissett to almost $5 million this year. Kind of haphazardly. Who the heck else was going to pay Jacoby Brissett $5 million? So not only did they overpay for their starting quarterback, they definitely overpaid for their backup quarterback, in my opinion, because you could, you could have thrown Tyrod Taylor out there for $2 million, a guy who knows the area, knows the team, and just said, all right, you're our safe haven for however long we need you to start this season, and uh, we know exactly what you're going to be. Jacoby Brissett, to me, was a volatile decision, let alone the $5 million, but that completely changed Baker's situation, because now, not only is there not a QB1 spot, there's not even a QB2 spot for Baker Mayfield, unless so much work is done behind the scenes to kind of uh, you know, change that fractured situation. I think it's impossible, but that's what I really wanted to see happen here. Because I do think there's a chance that he goes out there for eight, you know, eight to nine to 10 weeks, or let's just say six weeks, and at least shows he is a viable starting quarterback. Not elite, not the Baker from college, but a viable starting quarterback. And some of these teams, they're going to enter 2022 and look around at their quarterback room and say, well, this ain't going to work for us. And he's going to be an upgrade. Okay, when teams start to panic, he is going to be an upgrade. He's not right now. He's got it all attached to him right now. There's tons of baggage and drama attached to him. And my concern, and this is the other option to lay out, is that that's only going to get worse. So he's being quiet right now and staying away from OTAs. He, he stayed quiet through that Deshaun Watson trip, team trip. Obviously stayed away from that. But it's going to get loud come training camp because the fines are going to come in. And whenever there's money, money talks. And then Baker's going to have to respond to it. And Baker's team's going to have to respond to it. So it's going to get loud here soon again. And I think if it gets too loud, there's going to be a point where Baker's just simply not going to be in other teams' plans. It's possible that he exiles himself from a chance at other teams, not just this year, but maybe even next year. I hope that's not the case. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks at least try to resurrect their career once they've gotten out of town and gotten into a, just a, a better breathing situation. Tannehill being the best example lately. But I think that if he really puts up a stink here, I'm okay with him missing training camp. But how you react to that, I think, has a lot to say about where you can be in 2023. So that's to me, is the worst case situation. And then there's, of course, the absolute worst case situation, which is people start realizing he's not there right now. Whenever that Deshaun Watson suspension is announced, and like I said, it could be this week. That's going to put more microphones in front of Baker. And if he doubles down and says, I'm never talking to, I'm never stepping foot in, you know all the things that he can say at this point, because he's rightfully ticked. If he doubles down on the drama and not only adds to it, but throws gasoline on top of it, now it's a situation where he's simply trying to get out of town and it doesn't matter where, right? Now it's just get me out of this. I'm not, my football career 
is last on my list. I just need to get out of this situation now. I am putting this thing on fire. And the, and the Browns ownership simply won't be able to tolerate that. They won't be able to tolerate a line of questioning for Deshaun and his suspension and a line of questioning for Baker Mayfield's drama on fire at the same time, all while training camp is about to start, all while they're at you know, the fifth or sixth best odds to win the Super Bowl. To me, that is just too much for a professional organization to have to go through. So Baker could obviously do this, but is that going to make his quarterback situation any better anywhere else? Even if he goes to Seattle, where you know he can probably beat out Drew Locke, is that really what he's trying to get to? And by the way, Cleveland doesn't have to trade him to Seattle, right? They don't have to. And they certainly don't have to release him because releasing him is $18.8 million that goes to him no matter what. But they don't have to trade him to Seattle. They could trade him wherever they want. He could hold out. He could retire at that new team. That's up to him. But just keep in mind that while Cleveland doesn't have much leverage with Baker, where he goes, that is their leverage. And I don't believe they will release him. I believe they would rather keep Baker at 19 million, Brissett at 5 million, and Watson at 46 million, all for 2022, than outright release him. I, I, I truly believe that. So I don't think this is going to be pretty no matter how you, how you do it. And by the way, the last quarterback to have a big salary and not play a down, a down for his team was Deshaun Watson last year. 10.5 million. Never stepped a foot. Held a clipboard the entire season for Houston. Different situation. Different quarterback. Right? Was still uberly wanted the second he said, I'm, I'm ready to get traded. So, it's possible. It's possible. All of these are possible. And that's why I started with it. It's, it's maximum possibilities for, I think, what will be a complete minimum output. I, I don't know that Baker walks into a situation and has any shot at being a QB1 by the time this is all done. But my guess is that Baker chooses door, door C and throws gasoline on this fire because, quite frankly, Odell Beckham Jr. just did it a couple of months ago and it worked to the maximum. He gave up a couple of guaranteed dollars in a renegotiation. He went to the best team in football, won the Super Bowl. The injury was obviously an ancillary part of this, but that, that was a pretty good path for him, right? So there's a history with this team and players doing this specifically. My guess is that's where it goes. So I expect it to get very loud in Cleveland over the next couple of months. All right, Lamar, much smaller conversation. Why? Because I wrote this all down, actually. I wrote a big piece on SpotTrack.com detailing the Lamar Jackson situation, which I find fascinating. A, because it sounds like he doesn't want the new contract right now. B, because he is self-representing himself as an agent. C, because Baltimore has basically said, we're dying to pay this guy. It's just not working out. <laughs> and generally when you hear that, it's the player wants so much money that we can't even talk to him anymore about this. But that's not what people around Baltimore have been saying, including the coach. They're basically saying, we have offered him a top of the market deal and he's not interested right now. So all those bold predictions a couple of months ago where I basically said, look, this guy may be playing for the Falcons in a year and a half. I'm still all in on that because I'm not sure this is the right organization for him for the next four to five years when his contract would become guaranteed. It's possible that's where his head is. I, I detail a couple of those options in the piece, but I also basically say, look, he may just be saying the quarterback stuff is crazy, the Deshaun contract was nuts. Maybe that changed his approach. I'm not projecting a fully guaranteed contract for Lamar in the piece, 
The Kyler Murray situation, which I'll get to next, could be on his mind. It's a similar player. He's a little bit younger. Number one overall pick. I'm a number 32 pick. If this guy goes and gets 43, 44 million a year, and he goes long-term like Josh Allen and Mahomes did, I'll just basically step in and say, look, I don't want six years. I only want three new years, but it's got to be that, that kind of look and deal, right? 43 to 45. Let's make it 105 guaranteed right now, and I'll have to play out the last, you know, the last season to kind of get it. I think he wants short-term. I think he wants high-impact guarantees. I think he wants high-impact cash. I believe the Dak Prescott contract is a really good monitor for what he's looking for. I think he is satisfied if he has to go down the, the fifth-year option plus tag plus double tag route, but that's only about $96 million. I mean, I think he's looking for 10 to 15 more than that over the next three years based on his multi-year contract. So I think there's numbers that he has in mind, a path that he has in mind. Baltimore may be trying to go in six and eight years in this guy, right? And go the, the Josh Allen approach. And he's basically saying, no, 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 no. I want to get in and out by the time I'm 30. And then I'll try to do this again. I want to get two contracts out of this, not one. It's a two for one situation. That's where my head is with, with Lamar. And I wrote that out in detail, including breaking down what I thought that three-year extension may look like for Lamar Jackson at the back end of that piece. Kyler, uh, shocking, breaking news. It was about money, right? <laughs> was it about feelings that were hurt and the fact that people are making fun of him because he botched that playoff situation in the end zone? No. Okay. He's done enough. He feels like he's done enough. His agent feels he's done enough to warrant an extension now that three years have surpassed and he's eligible for that extension. That's where we are. He's a $43 million player in our system. And I know that shocks a lot of people, but he's that good when he's good. He's just been inconsistent. And, on, and unfortunately, his inconsistencies have shown up at the, at the most important times of the past two seasons. But he's a top 10 PFF guy. He's a top 10 production guy. He's an MVP candidate. Each of the last two seasons heading into the middle of the year, he's that good when he's doing it right. The Hopkins stuff is going to be a factor. There's a lot of youth in that team. I'm not sure Hollywood Brown is a legitimate replacement, but I can be proven wrong in Kingsbury's system. I'm not sure they've made the defensive secondary additions that they needed to make to get, make that team a, a, an actual contender. But I'm not sure that's what this year's about. I think this year's about, unfortunately, they're going to have to pay Kyler because that's where we are now with this de debate. And then it's about going out there and just showing the world and themselves too. This is the guy for the next four years. And we just have to keep pushing and keep building and keep hammering out a, a roster every year. And at one point, maybe we'll get ourselves into a situation where we can push ourselves into real contention. That's what it's about. They're, they're smelling their window. They think this is a guy. I think they believe he's not elite. And that's why the contract's not already done. Right? They're probably trying to dial back this money a little bit. A little bit. Because I don't believe they think he's Josh Allen. I don't believe they think he's what Lamar can be at his best level. But I think they're going to have to go near that. Right. I mean, Josh got 43 a year ago. I think they're going to have to go to that number and, and over 100 guaranteed and things like that. All, all the all the big time top of the market numbers now for non Mahomes, non Watson type type contracts. So I think it comes to head. The pause button right now for me is cap. They have about one million to work with right now with their 90 man roster. And. After June 1st, another $10 million comes off the books in terms of Jordan Phillips post-June 1st release. So there will be some flexibility at that point. 
They can do a couple more restructures if they need to, or certainly remove some players from the roster to actually free some things up. But I do think that's part of this conversation because Kyler as the number one pick does have a, a decent cap hit right now on his rookie contract. It's certainly not 40, 40 million a year, but they want to structure this thing properly, right? They want to at least be able to give themselves a little bit of freedom right now. They know the cap's going to jump next year, so they can put some big time bonuses and things into 2023 and they should get some more relief in 2024 as well. So my guess is it's not about the nickel and diamond of the negotiations with this contract. It is simply, let's just pause. And then June 2nd, we can really start to push and hammer this thing out quickly. And he'll, you'll have a contract in no time for training camp. That's my assessment of this. I could be dead wrong. Two more quarterbacks who are holding out of OTAs. Really quick and dirty answers. Aaron Rodgers just doesn't want to practice. And Tom Brady is playing golf. That's it. That's the quarterback holdout situation right now in the NFL. All right. I talked Debo a lot on this show. I will summarize for those of you who haven't listened to that, those episodes or haven't kind of read some things on Twitter. Um, I know the Debo stuff is complicated and it's, it's probably a lot more complicated than I've alluded to, which has been purely financial, right? That's kind of the world I live in anyway. There's obviously some sort of fractured relationship between Debo Samuel and the 49ers. I have no idea how or why. Look, the offensive coordinator is gone. So is this a Shanahan situation? Possibly. Does it go farther up? Was he promised the contract at some point in time? And now that is not happening. And as I laid out before, is that because Garoppolo is injured and he's expensive? Is that because Trey Lance gave up the farm for him and now maybe he's not the guy? Is that because Nick Bosa needs $28 million a year and everybody's in a waiting game and there's just a lot of animosity? Or is it actually what the original report was, which is, he doesn't want to be the guy that has to do everything, which is run the ball, return kicks, you know, be the deep threat for the, in, in the passing game, all of the above, right? He doesn't see a, a long-term career in being that guy, even if it comes with 25 to $26 million a year with this, with this next contract soon. There's just too much risk and not enough length in his career doing this kind of role. It's possible that's exactly what this is, and I'd, I'd, have, I'd give the guy a lot of credit. If that's really what he's coming out and saying to San Francisco and San Francisco's pushing back and saying, look, we think we're using you exactly the right way and we're going to continue to do so. And he basically said, no, 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 I need to, I need to look out for me here. I want to go to a different situation where I can be used differently. That does make sense to me. Okay. And the fact that it's also wrapped up in an expiring contract, it's <laughs> right. It, it, we just saw Tyreek do this. We just saw a couple couple players do this where leaving it, right? Devonta Adams. Leaving isn't just leaving, but leaving is leaving plus extension. And that's a huge transaction. It's a big time transaction. So not only does he want to go to a different area where maybe he's utilized differently, and it's possible, I'm speculating, but he also got to drop in 25 million a year. AJ Brown, right? Gotta be, it's got to be something like that. And uh, I, I have a feeling the AJ Brown situation only made it worse for Debo. If, if everything I just said to you is actually happening behind the scenes in San Francisco. I'll reiterate it again. Garoppolo's cap is keeping things tight right now. They are the lowest cap space team in football. Uh, that won't resolve itself until he's able to pass a physical and then either be outright released or traded. And then they will have some room to work with for a Bosa contract, for a Debo contract. There's a couple of offensive linemen who have some issues. Alex Mack isn't sure if he's going to play ball. He may retire. Michael Ginshi, the guard, is coming back from an injury. It sounds like he's on a track to do so, but who knows? He may get to train camp and it may not be full gear. And he may say, look, I got to sit out. I'm, I'm out indefinitely. And then what happens, right? Then they're extremely weak on the offensive line. 
with a quarterback who may or may not be ready to take the reins and uh, a couple of wide receivers around Debo who have just underachieved. Let's be perfectly frank about it. And Brandon Ayuk and a few others. So it's, it's not exactly an attractive situation for Debo to be looking at. And like I said, brand new offensive coordinator. So I could get, I could get myself to think uh, this may be one of those mid July, early training camp trades that we kind of salivate for because the transactions get really weak at that point in time. I don't see it getting there. I think they fix this with money and some good, you know, man on man talk behind the scenes, just understanding what Debo needs to kind of uh, stay on board. And maybe that is a bit of a, a, a change in, in approach and a change in system. But I do think 25 million a year can fix this, at least for the short term. And if we're having to have this conversation again next year, then definitely look out for a big time trade. Terry McLaurin in Washington. Washington's weird. Carson Wentz made it weirder. The ownership is stuff is super weird. They're trying to find a place to build a new stadium. Nobody wants to do that either. It's weird. Giving Terry McLaurin $20 million a year right now plus would probably be weird, but I think he's a good enough player to do it. And I think he's the kind of guy where you just say, oh, we're just going to do this. And if we have to continue to figure out the quarterback situation on, on a yearly basis, at least we got a couple of nice guys to, for him to throw to. And they certainly have a defense that can keep them in ball games right now as well. Uh, similar to Arizona, there's a June 1st situation in Landon Collins where they would free up almost $12 million of cap space June 2nd. My guess is that's exactly what this is about. They're a little low on cap space right now. They'll gain a lot more on June 2nd. McLaurin's a 20 to $22 million per year guy. It's something in the four for 84 for 90, something that falls in there, in my opinion. And, uh, and that'll be that. He's, I think, a, a true WR1. He's not one of the elites. He's not in the top tiers just yet. And that's, I think, a lot has to do with quarterbacks. He hasn't had the right kind of people throwing him the football. And Carson can be, uh, you know, a stat producer at times when he's right. So I think he will, he will take a step up here if Carson is right. And uh, will that translate to a lot of wins? Probably not. That's probably not what this is about. But I do think he's good enough to keep uh, on some sort of extension. All right, let's flip to the defensive side of the ball. Speaking of dominant pass rushers, Aaron Donald, we thought was going to retire and maybe walk off into the sunset. I think he still might. I'm not going to rule that out because it's been somewhat quiet. We, had, we started to hear rumors about the contract. But this is what we started to hear, right? At first, and I think I was one of those people going out there saying this, because there's three years left on the deal, generally what we see, and we saw this with Julio Jones and a couple other players recently, you just take some money from the bottom of the contract, pull it up to the current year, make it a signing bonus, make it a roster bonus, make it likely incentives, whatever you have to do, just to get this guy more cash now, right? Let's just, let's just pay him off a little bit this year and see how things evolved when there's two years left next year. Because let's be honest, there are basically no teams in football that will rip up and start a contract over with three years left on it. None. Doesn't happen. You know, the last one who tried was X Howard in, in Miami. He got one of those little cash bumps with a promise of, we will do right by you next year. And that's exactly what happened in Miami. And they did right by him this year. So I, I would be surprised if that's the case at this point, if they just say, let's, let's just throw him a bonus this year and uh, let him go out there and do his thing for one more year. To me, he has evolved to be too much of a, of a superstar elite player in this league. I mean, a while ago, he did that. But now having won the Super Bowl and now threatening to, be, to retire, which I believe is real and I wouldn't blame him one bit. 
I think you have to do exactly what he says here or say, go retire. We're not going to release you. We're going to keep you on the books so that, you know, if you try to play somewhere else, you're going to have to trade We're going to have to trade you. But I think it's the right move to rip this thing up, start over and turn what was going to be 52 million cash into 90 and throw on void years and, you know, make it a double bonus situation so that you can at least manipulate your cap a little bit. With any other team, I would say there's no chance they do this, right? With like Green Bay or Pittsburgh or some of these teams that have these, these edge rushers, I'd say there's not a chance in hell that they even consider this with three years left. But Les Snead is just a, he's just a different animal, right? He's doubled down on everything for the past decade. He's just gone in, gone in, gone in. And now all their draft chips are literally in everyone else's baskets. They gave them all away. And the Stafford situation, which you can say has already worked, right? So they, do they have to continue down this path? Do they have to continue to try to win at a maximum level? They've already got their ring. They've already shown that they're going to, right? They've already traded Woods, brought in Allen Robinson. They've got rid of Aaron Donald. So there's already a deficiency at the edge rest situation, or excuse me, uh, of Von Miller. But they've brought in some, some, some big-time free agents. They extended Matt Stafford. They're going to extend Cooper Cup. Maybe if not this offseason, maybe sometime during the upcoming season. It feels like that might wait a little bit. Could be wrong. But if you're going to go all in, right? If you're going to say, all right, these six moves signify that we are still in maximum contention window, then this is the guy you have to have because the production is still ridiculous, right? Statistically speaking, by the way, offenses are game planning for him specifically, right? So maybe they're doing a little bit of work on Jalen Ramsey, of course. But you are, you are looking to stay away and run away and bootleg away from Aaron Donald. That is part of your game plan when you have the Rams next week. And he's 31. And despite that, he still has ridiculous production. Okay? The, the hurries are nuts. The stats are nuts. Okay? He's got more sacks over the past two years than Miles Garrett and, and Nick and Bosa's and, and basically everybody but Watts but TJ Watt, who, is, who just garnered $28 million a year. So you can understand as a complete player, which is what he is. And by the way, he's not just an edge rusher. He lines up everywhere, which makes it that much harder to game plan against him. Every single box you need checked for a shutdown defensive player, including now winning the whole thing, has been checked. So I don't know how you look to this and say, either we, we do nothing, we rip it off, and, and if he retires, he retires. And if he shows up and, and, try, and, and allows us to you know, pay him $15 million and he'll, he'll play it out this year for us, then that's great for us. Or you go all in and you just say, look, we get it. We don't feel super comfortable giving you 90 over three, but I think we're going to have to do it. And we're willing to do it as long as you can play ball a little, little bit with us with the cap and allow us to you know, restructure you next year and add an option bonus and add a bunch of void years so that we can push this out of our contention window, then I'm willing to go that route. And I, I, I just think that Les Snead probably isn't even balking or uh, batting an eyelash at this. And he's just doing his due diligence to figure out what that best approach is going to be. And maybe he's doing this in Cooper Cup's deal simultaneously and just trying to understand the next two to three years of cap. And and trying to make sure that he's got his ducks in a row and maybe they, they get announced together and the Rams are whole for the next two years, basically fully guaranteed for two more years. It's possible that's exactly what he's doing. My point is, 
basically any other GM in the league, there's no way I'm having this kind of conversation. But with him specifically, not only do I think it's worth having a conversation about, I think it's worth expecting. I expect $30 million a year for Aaron Donald, and I expect 25 to $30 million a year for Cooper Cup. This year, that's just where we are with this organization. They are that much all in. They are the new, you know, buy a championship LA team. <laughs> the Dodgers have dialed that back a little bit. The Lakers are about to dial that back a little bit. But I think the, uh, the LA Rams are all in in that regard. Two more quick ones. Jesse Bates, the safety for the Bengals. Am I the only one that kind of feels like the balloon for the Bengals burst immediately following the Super Bowl loss? Like just immediately. Like we loved having that conversation. We loved following that, that whole timeline. But then the second that they lost, it just, they just went back to being the Bengals. And I know that's, that's not fair because I think many franchises in this league would look at their office and say, oh yeah, we would take that tomorrow, <laughs> right? If they're just going to pass on, on, on trying, yeah, we'll take the quarterback and three of the wide receivers and maybe some of the offensive linemen now that they've just drafted. There's a lot to love there. Certainly the running back. There's a lot to love. But I, I can't envision them paying Jesse Bates $15 million a year. I can't. I, I think they would love Jesse Bates to show up on this franchise tag. And I don't think there's a chance in hell that's happening. In fact, this OTA holdout, of all the ones we have here, feels like the one that's going to go the distance. And I think we're talking about at some point, Jesse Bates forfeiting seven or $18,000 per regular season week missed. I, I do think he will hold out completely. And, uh, and I think they're ready for it too. Why? Because they drafted a safety, number 31 overall in Daxton Hill out of Michigan. So they're at least covering I think they were hoping for next year at the safety position. But for now, it certainly looks like that multi-year contract is not coming for Jesse Bates. And he will hold out despite it. And we'll, uh, it won't be fines because he'll be on a contract that's not signed. The franchise tag will not be signed, so he won't be fined. He will simply not be a part of the team. And if he decides he wants to show up and sign that tag, he'll start to earn $718,000 a week. And if he doesn't, then he'll forfeit that money and the Bengals will have team control over him again to do it next year if they want. So these things don't get resolved easily, unfortunately, but I can't personally see Cincinnati paying him top of the market 15 million per year right now. I can't do it. Maybe he settles for less because he likes the team that much. There's obviously a, a history with them now. Maybe he'll take 12 if that's what Cincy's offer is. But to me, this is, this is going to go the distance. And the last one is Kenny Moore, slot cornerback for the Indianapolis Colts. This one surprises me in a little bit. Um, the Colts have been very, very good about paying their own players properly over the market. The, the, the time that they acquire players, you feel like they're giving up too much. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like they are extremely popular te a team to work with by a trade via free agency for agents, or even just via agents trying to get their guys, their current Colts players extensions. I, I feel like the, the, the money is always at least slightly above fair, if not a lot above fair value. So when Kenny Moore with two years left and over 14 million left is now basically saying, I'm not showing up. I want a new deal. They made him the highest slot quarterback in football in 2019. Four years, 33 million new money five-year contract, 35 million total. 
that was the going. I mean, that's that's the highest slot cornerback average pay at the time. So they already did right by him once. It seems a little bit greedy. And I don't say this often with these with these player empowerment situations. I generally am on the side of look, it's guys out playing his coverage, out kicking his coverage. It's time to rip this stuff thing up and start over. This is just like the the best example of Should we just give him an adjustment or it, does this have to be a real extension, right? Do we actually have to make this three new years, X new dollars, X new guarantees tacked onto the two years that exist? Do we actually have to go that route or can it, can it just be like uh, we pull some money from next year into this year? Maybe we make next year voidable with certain stats and then you can get yourself the free agency. And, and look, I get what he's trying to do here. He's 27. He's trying to lock in two and a half years guaranteed before he hits 30. So he has a chance to get this done again, again after this, right? So. Large contract, small contract, small contract. Maybe that's the end of your career, but you got some good guaranteed money in there. I get it. I think this one, if I'm Indy, my answer is we'll talk next year. I'm not doing anything because we do have a history of treating our players well financially when the timing is right. And I just think this is a year too early, unfortunately, for Kenny Moore. And oh, by the way, I think the team's going to be good. I, I'm going to bet him to win the division. I think the Matt Ryan... Um, project is going to work quickly with the weapons around them. They, I think they will go and try to add another weapon at some point, maybe in season. I think it's going to work. So more winning from Indy, maybe a, a bounce back year after an ugly ending to last year. So a bounce back year of success plus a salary cap that should explode next year because of the TV money should be a great time for Kenny Moore to want an extension, right? Probably a little greedy asking for that right now probably the wrong time both for team and player to be doing that right now when it should be setting up really nicely to be entering a contract year next offseason, sit down with a team who should have a contract, you know, the quarterback under contract. I realize the Jonathan Taylor contract is going to be sitting there at that point, but shouldn't have a problem getting themselves into a good financial situation next March versus this offseason when it just seems like it's a year early. All right. There's your holdouts. If I missed anybody, if there's somebody new that pops up this week, we'll try to uh, clarify that either on Twitter or on the next episode of this podcast. And uh, of course, we'll be monitoring the NBA situation with Keith Smith and Scott Allen soon as the finals begins on Thursday and every other franchise turns into off-season mode. Like I said, June will not be quiet. June will be ramp up season for a lot of teams, but also uh, finish off time for some franchises. OKC has some cap space that they, they don't want to lose. Maybe they're acquiring a player this year to use 2021 money, and then they can deal with that as the, ter- the uh, season turns to jump July 1st to 2022, and they could be more aggressive with those 77 first-round picks thereafter. We'll have more NBA talk at the end of this week as well. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. 